Kaki mai, kaki mai. Welcome on board for a brand new panel discussion for culture lovers, RNZ National's Best of the Fest. Over the next five weeks, Mark Amory, that's me, and my Culture 101 co-host Polina Lau will be covering arts festivals across the Motu, joined by a panel of ace artists. In the future weeks, we're travelling to Hamilton, to Auckland, New Plymouth, Dunedin, or to Porti, as well as looking at a host of shows touring other centres. Um, and we gather today, it's the opening weekend of the grandmama of all the contemporary arts festivals. It's the Aotearoa New Zealand Festival of the Arts in Pornaki, Wellington. It's a biennial festival that started way back in 1986. And in parallel running is also the long-established New Zealand Fringe, with over 150 shows over its three weeks. In today's panel, we'll be looking at some excellent shows that have already opened. Well, I hope they're excellent. We'll see what the panel have to say. Um, and joining me... Uh, on Best of the Fest today, in some semblance of order. First is uh, poet Arahia Latham. Kia ora, Arahia. Kia ora, Matt. Uh, critic and writer Thomas and Slay. Kia ora. Mwaitaro. Uh, Duncan Sarkis, here of radio drama The Mysterious Secrets of Uncle Bertie's. Kia ora, Matt. Kia ora, Dunk. And in with a clutch of fringe shows, our roving fringe reviewer Austin Harrison. Tanakwe. How many shows have you seen, Austin? Uh, 15 so far. Okay. Three more tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we'll You're be the winner, Austin. That's yeah. quite something. <laughs> it's proper commitment. Ah, uh, well, welcome to you all, the beautiful panel. We have festival music as well. You're listening to something from the soundtrack of one of those most eagerly anticipated shows of the big festival, Jungle Book Reimagined, from uh, the UK's Akram Khan Company. This is the melodious work of composer Jocelyn Hock. Now, everyone, are we all feeling sufficiently caffeinated? Yep. Correct. Very good. Absolutely. We okay. wouldn't be here in any other stage. <laughs> so we're going to move swiftly through things. I'm encouraging interjections, lively banter at any time. Uh, and we're going to start Ara here with Hatupatu Kurunai Tuku, this Māori aerial theatre production from Takirua Productions that you and I saw earlier this week. It's at a new festival venue called Tafiti Warehouse. Yeah, Tafiti. Tafiti, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. But, yeah. but Tafiti, yeah, is that beautiful kind of weaving together plaiting, which I think is a really nice sense because that's the name of our festival as well. Um, and right. it is this weaving together, this plaiting together of all of these different talents, which I just think is so exceptional. And it's that was like very much the time. case with this, wasn't it? It really was. And I think when I have been reflecting on the show, you know, I am astounded really with all of the elements because there really were just so many incredible artists involved and somehow the amazing Tane Mahuta Gray managed to pull together both some really beautiful contemporary ideas around the story as well as upholding the amazing mana of the te arawa, um tipuna that they are and bringing in you know incredible haka which were um, you know written by Wetani Matai Tai and he is you know, um, I guess a champion at Te Matatini, brought in some beautiful, um, lyrical, powerful haka, as well as there just being, I guess, some cool spicy twists, which I loved. Mm. I, I love this production. I think it's just a classic. Like, it's so, I don't think I've ever seen anything that more expressed, I guess, a sense, an indigenous sense of, the forest of the Nahiri here in New Zealand. Um, I kind of felt like it, this 3D immersive experience standing around the catwalk, the sound and light, the aerial displays, the sense of the birds um, with the performers. It all felt like one kind of organic whole to me, like very, as you say, uh, tafari, just kind of woven together. Absolutely. And I think, you know, 
the stage was almost like a catwalk, you know, like it was, we were standing around it. It, it mm. almost felt like we were going to be at some sort of, yeah, musical fashion performance rather than, say, a dance or, you know, theatre piece, which, yeah, again, it felt exciting, didn't it? It was like we were standing yeah. around waiting for what was going to happen. And we had actors appearing out of the floor, um, weaving in around us as the audience, uh, flying above us. Mm. You know, you really were just completely immersed in this world. And as you say, you know, the soundscape that Paddy Free created and then that incredible AV design with Delaney Kennedy and Rachel Nisa. Like it just, they they did this beautiful um, visual, I guess, kahui. It just kind of wrapped around you like it was... Um, a whole lot of different elements coming together, which just, yeah, you know, sometimes you felt like you were in the stars or you were in a, in a bunch of amoebas, you know, you were sort of immediately cellular and then pushed right out into the canopy of the forest and then sometimes in geysers. It was just, yeah, very, very beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah, you, you felt like you were part of the forest and um, and mycelium was the word I thought of and almost when I saw the visual displays and the audio, like this Absolutely. kind of sense of everything being so connected um, and that this was truly a theatre production and the way it had organically developed. And even back to those two Ottawa roots, I mean, it's a very famous story, Hatupatu, with the bird woman, and it, um, the, I know the, a lot of the visuals, I think um, Tani Mahuta was speaking to Susie Ferguson on RNZ about, you know, being inspired by being on Makoya Island many, many years ago, mm. um, and it sort of going right back to those roots. Absolutely, and it is such an incredible landscape to just be inspired by isn't it so spending time there is so special I think what I loved is that Tane Mahuta gave all of the cast um, a copy of Fiti Hiriaka's book Mm. Kurungaituku um, which for me was really um, special because her reimagining of that story I guess really centred Kurungaituku as being a really powerful being rather than how you know maybe Elsden Best had pinned her as being this sort of evil ogress, you know. And so I love the way um, also Ngahuia Te Awakotuku's um, retelling in the book Purako was also kind of woven in as well. And so we really see Kurangaituku as this powerful, incredible, beautiful being. And I think Kathina yes. Campbell just she aced that you know because she is just so incredibly graceful but man you do not want to mess with her eh? like she she brought like kind of dom energy she was she she was scary she was sexy i mean the whole production was like this wasn't it's dark it's not a production i think for young young kids but it's it's um i thought she was incredible in the way she and this went for all the performers could could hold being in the air an aerial Mm. person um dancer with with amazing drama and i think it's a thing you could tell what an incredible performer she was because she made it look easy and I know for a fact having tried circus and aerial work it is not easy Mm. (laughs) it's not easy to make that stuff look graceful and beautiful so yeah I think um you know both Kasina and um Eds Eramiha who played the two um lead roles of Hatipatu and Kurangaituku did a beautiful job of showing the tension of yeah kind of hating each other loving each other what happened out of that. I definitely feel like the Hatupatu role was um, doing that classic thing of um, playing out your childhood trauma in a relationship. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> because it all started with him being the younger brother, being teased, being ostracised, being pushed away. He was given all the scraps. You know, he was not the one with the mana. Mm. And so then he went out and he sort of played out being the one with the mana and then they, they essentially, you know, 
didn't like that. Um, there's a really special character as well, which I wanted to mention, which is uh, Tamamu Kiterangi, and it's actually a fly. And it is oh. this, um, so Tamamu is like the, the rhythm of the sky. And it, it comes in and it actually resurrects um, Hatupatu, which is a special scene in this particular performance as yeah. well. And I love that that was really given space. Um, and I think that, you know, as he kind of resurrects, he does take on a bit of a different, you know, persona. And I think he starts to really kind of look at himself as not as separate from his family. But then there is this interesting Dom sub scene, you know, with mm. these <laughs> with him in a cage and her kind of circling around and being super sexy. So it is really, really funny too to sort of see that play out. And then and then him realise that actually he is in love with her. And I think that's the beautiful thing that wasn't ever yeah. tied in before. Is this, it's a love story. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, and well, it's, yeah. it's, pretty, it's pretty hot. Kia ora ara here. <laughs> this is Hataputapatu um, Kura Naituku. Uh, it is touring. So folks everywhere you can see this. It's off to Auckland um, next week, then to Christchurch, uh, and then returning the story to Te Arawa to Rotorua, which is a fantastic thing. Now, um, Arahia, you and Thomason are both at the Writers' Festival this week. Uh, it's a fantastic programme, I think. Um, Thomason, what are you looking forward to? Well, maybe like a nice segue, actually, from what Arahia was saying, is um, there's a session about Hewa, the new collection of contemporary Māori short stories. And um, on the panel talking about, well, not really a panel, in the corridor talking about this book is Fiti Hiriaka, who uh-huh. Arahia was talking about, um, and uh, Tina Makariti and Emma Hislop. So it's quite an impressive lineup um, uh, of writers, and they're yeah talking about this book Hiwa, which was published this year, collection as I said of contemporary Māori um, short stories, which is on my bedside table actually at the moment. So it'd be nice to go and see um, them talking about a book that I'm kind of currently reading, which would be really nice. great. Other here, have you got one pick? Oh, that's really I know. Hard. I'm just going to give you one pick. <laughs> that's not fair. I know. Well, oh. if we have time later. Okay. Well, like tonight on Friday, it's it's the opening night and yes. it's House on Fire, and that just ah. sounds amazing. There is the Mexican uh, writer Sandra Cisneros, and she is here as one of our you know key exciting um, members of the Writers Festival, and um, yeah, she's joined by Samuel Tekani, Tay Tibble, Jane Smiley, and Emma Hislop and Lynn Davidson as they share new pieces of writing. And they just talk about what home means to them, but it's also got the musicians Toby Lang and Ricky Gooch. So I think it's going to be Ooh, quite a beautiful, nice. immersive, big opening mm. experience, which I think will be amazing. But beyond that, there is just like so much. It's hard to pick. It's there. Yeah, that, that was me. I'd pick Thomason's because Thomason, you're having a session, aren't you? I Thank think you. that will also be amazing. So I would Thanks, pick team. That. Yeah, Thanks, guys. totally. <laughs> Excellent novel. Thank you. Okay, Thomason, well, over to you as our visual arts critic on the panel here today. Have you been checking out some visual arts this week? Yeah, so I've been able to see two of the visual arts works um, in, the sh- in the festival so far. So I've been down to see the Tanifa Time Machine, which is down on the waterfront just outside Te Papa. Um, and this is a collective of three artists, um, Miriama, Grace Smith, Zoe Hall and Gina Keel. And so um, citizens of Te Whanganui Atara will have, be quite familiar with their work because it's been adorning hoardings and lifts and stairwells and car parks um, around the city. They're mural artists. Yeah. Um, so it's really awesome to see them give this opportunity to create kind of like a sculptural, um, sculptural mural work um, in the city and what they've done is they've brought together um, Naki and Fataitai so the two Tanifa of uh, Wellington Harbour and you can kind of walk through their bodies really in this like bright um, painted um, 
uh, way. And halfway through, there's a, a kind of a phone that you can pick up and um, Coco Solid has produced kind of an audio work um, that you can listen to kind of midway between the two tanifa. Um, so you can kind of interact with the work in that what, way. What is the audio work? So I have to admit, when I went to see it, unfortunately that bit wasn't working, so ah. I didn't get to hear. I don't know if anybody else... I couldn't else... get into the phone box for love or money last night. It was right. too many people. Me, it was because we, we were there too... I was there too late the other night in the early hours of the morning, and I think they lock it at a certain hour. Oh, right. <laughs> oh Austin, it's your fault. <laughs> my understanding is it's kind of like a portal to the afterlife. It's like okay. it's, it's like this phone box that speaks between sort of Taha Wairua, which is kind of like where the Tanifar exists now and also I just think yeah Coco Solid has you know she's she's had some incredibly difficult and incredible life experiences in the, of late and I think that she's just the perfect artist to take us through that portal um, mm. with just aroha and care so yeah, yeah I think I think it's really worth going and trying again Nice, So it's down by to Papa. I went, I went in the daytime yesterday and then at night. And I felt like it was far better at night. It just like really felt like a, a club or a space, you know, like that. That mag- and it's on the way to the Performance Arcade, which is this weekend, which is a remarkable live arts festival again, where you just kind of like you don't have to have a roof and walls totally contained around these performance kind of spaces. They kind of create these kind of new, very exciting, dynamic creative spaces for the public to be in it's really beautiful Mm, yeah um i feel like it's just a really nice opportunity to give them that platform as well to make a work that's quite different from their mural works and it's their their work is really interesting because it intersects with the gallery space so they had a show last year in tauranga art gallery so they've been they're in the gallery but then they're just like very clever at manipulating spaces outside of the gallery and um, public areas as well so it's mm. great to have that yeah, platform for them as part of the festival Now before we take a break with some music uh, you've also been at the Douse I think for a show that I'm quite keen to hear about Nell is the artist I, who I don't know Yeah that's right so Nell is an Australian artist and she has a show um, at the Douse at the moment called Through the Wall of Birth and Death uh, Mel Cross um, McCann this is such an interesting show, Mark, and I still don't know really what I think about it. I went to see it last week, and I'm looking forward to going back. I have my kids in toes, which isn't like the best um, gallery viewing experience. Um, but now has, has been really interested in Makan um, for a number of years, and this show is um, a whole lot of her work alongside quite big, iconic Makan paintings in the gallery. Um, they share this kind of connection through interested, interest, in, interest in type, um, there's a lot of words in the work and also like a very similar kind of palette, like it's whites and blacks. But there's also like really big differences between their practice as well. So Nell is a practicing Buddhist. <laughs> Makan obviously is like working through <laughs> uh, yeah, Christianity. So there's like a real um, divergence there. And mm. Nell also has like a very different um, like set of symbols in her kitty that she uses like and it's all quite kind of pop culture looking symbols as well. Even though McCann, obviously, like, his his use of text in his work, he always said was from kind of sign writers, right? So he had this kind of interest in pop culture as well. Um, it's so interesting, Mark, I like. I don't know if it would be a show that a New Zealand artist would do. It's very interesting that it's yeah. an Australian um Obviously, lots of New Zealand artists re- reference McCann, thinking like Michael Potokofa and Ronnie Van Houten, those kind of artists. But, mm. um, yeah, I'm still processing it, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Thomas and Slay. That's Nell 
versus, I guess, versus the X, Nell X, Colin McCann, Through the Wall of Birth and Death. It's on till August the 4th. Now, we're going to take a break here on the Best of the Fest. Uh, here is one of the artists being billed by the festival uh, as a singing sensation and a comedian extraordinaire. It's Meow Meow. Uh, she's performing this weekend with the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra. Uh, here's a track from her. beautiful cities I looked for love up in the air I looked underground though I knew that I shouldn't and still no love was anywhere I went to the place they call heaven I went to the hotel Amour I sat still and wrote love some letters But love doesn't read anymore I sang love into my stories And I danced love into my dreams But love didn't find me Let alone blind me Love is nowhere Pretending I wasn't I looked for love close to the bone I fixed up some wings And I bought all the permits So love could take flight when it was grown I followed the maps I read all the signs I bought love a building called home I filled in the forms And I paid all the taxes still love left me That's Aotearoa New Zealand Festival Act Meow Meow um, happening this weekend. You're on Best of the Fest with RNZ National. Over the next five weeks, we're covering arts festivals across the Motu, uh, joined by a panel of ace artists um, who are reviewing and previewing shows for us. And uh, this episode, number one, we're in Pornicky, uh, Wellington. Uh, and last night, I was at Circa Theatre here in, in the capital with Duncan Sarkis to see a show called Our Own Little Mess uh, by... A company with the delightfully obscure company name of a slightly isolated dog. Never quite understood why they call themselves that, Duncan. Uh, uh, well, that's a whole other topic. It is. We'd have yeah. be good to get them in the room. For <laughs> but, uh, uh, but there was a, certainly a slightly isolated experience in watching it. You know, in the sense that uh, you come into. So in this case, it was Circa Theatre. Um, you sit in your seat, and immediately you see. Because I, I went in. 
deliberately trying to know as little as possible. You see a pair of headphones. Good, good call with theatre. Yeah. yeah, sometimes. I don't know. You put on the headphones and there the performers are sort of on stage. Just You think they're just sort of uh, just loitering. But no, they're, they're just quietly um, talking to you and just uh, going, oh, yeah, it's, oh, I wonder if there's any snacks. And they're just speaking with <laughs> a very low-key... Uh, language, very playful. Uh, oh, they're actually picking out people they know in the audience, which is well, very was, funny. And there, saying was, hi. there was a little bit of that, but also <laughs> it sort of set you up for what it's going to be, which is the voices in anyone's head. You know, uh, um, that 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 you that you that we all go through life. Now, I found out because I heard someone uh, two rows behind me going, apparently lots of people don't have inner monologues, which is confusing to me. Seriously. I thought people everyone don't have, does have inner monologues. People don't have inner monologues, I'm, people, do we? I could lend mine to other people. <laughs> if they don't have them. I think I have too many. And that, that's, out of here, that's what this experience is a little bit like. When it's at its best, it's also at its most anxiety-making yeah. in the sense that uh, when it's at its best, you'll hear, for example, uh, a woman, you'll hear... Uh, Laurel Devine's um, character um, doing full anxiety monologue of all the racing thoughts interjecting with each wow. other, moving off. I can't sleep. Getting, yeah. getting profound, then worrying about banking, uh, um, and done in such a sort of a racing voice that is that it actually is quite disturbing and anxiety. Like if you go there filled with anxiety, it's not necessarily that you'll leave. With less anxiety, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it, uh, as it, it just you, you uh, uh, like your own thoughts are hard enough to deal with, and now suddenly you're um, worrying you're about with, someone else's. You're inside someone else's thoughts, and from that point of view, I found it completely fascinating and completely ab- absorbing, and you know, mm. at its best, in its best moments, um, quite sort of taken away by by that, and within that, it uses that um, that vehicle to effectively give you an ensemble performance of effectively four kind of monologue stories, but then then they're monologues on a different level because, of course, you're hearing someone enacting their own life, you're hearing the voices in their head, you're hearing some of the people they're interacting with. You're also watching it in a very simple uh, staging uh, yeah. device of uh, people moving around. Well, that was the thing for me. I thought, you know, um, first of all, I thought it was genius in that we all, so many of us spend time with headphones on now, right, in public space. And that means that we are more isolated from each other if we're on the train or the bus or whatever, or even on, the, on the waterfront. And and what's going on in those headphones. So that I loved how they played with this kind of richness of um, podcasts would move into yeah. inner thoughts, uh, into dialogue. And so you've got a lot of pre-recorded material mixing with the live material. Every performer has microphones. Um, and the, the staging, as you're saying, Duncan, is very, very stripped back. And it's also very dark. Because your main experience is oral and you're getting used to this, you yeah. can actually play beautifully with very simple things with torches and trolleys and things. Yeah, Yeah. so, so it, it's, on one level it's so simple and on another level uh, it really just takes you to a place that I haven't really that I, I both loved and hated experiencing in the sense that when I say hated experiencing, it was just because it's, it's hard being in other people's thoughts. Yeah, know? I thought if anything... When it's at its best, you're sometimes yeah. not enjoying it when it's at its best. I thought if I had a criticism, it's that it's quite bleak. And I mean, they're very, very funny performers. When it's funny, it's very funny and it's very ingenious visually. But sometimes it's just like, oh my God, this anxiety. I'm so glad I'm older now and I just don't... I, I seem to resolve bleak. those there's, demons. There's no, there's, there's no doubt about it, um, but... Uh, but uh, maybe you've got to embrace it for what it is because, the, you know, it's telling bleak tales of people going on these enormous life journeys 
but they're still stuck with themselves you know, wherever they go and so so it's sort of epic and but it, yes it is it, mm. there's no doubt about it that it's bleak it is funny in lots of places oh, and yeah. some stories work better than others and you know i know i'll be thinking about it uh, in a week's time and thinking about moments yeah. and then i know uh, yeah so it's quite quite fascinating and uh, um the sound design incredible the performances are really great some really great dialogue and really great writing in amongst it yeah and uh, just a sort of a kooky, weird, sort of large experience, which is the sort of thing that I want to experience. And all right, and, yeah, well, exactly for a festival. Well, highly recommended. It. It's it's only in Wellington at this point at Circa until the end of the opening weekend, but I'm sure it's going to be seen around the country. They've got to get that headphone budget, don't they? <laughs> that's <laughs> travelling right. headphone budget. We've got to somehow travel. So headphone sponsors help them out <laughs> and uh, get them around the country. Now, Austin, Austin Harrison, the New Zealand Fringe, um, 800 artists, three weeks, 150 events. I was trying to work. What to go to this Saturday night, and I like this like thirty or forty shows. I mean, how do you choose? Um, it's sometimes you throw a dart at the wall and, <laughs> and and hope you get a good one, or you scour reviews for um, half a day and make your program for the week, which definitely everyone does, and that's not just me. <laughs> well, you're, you're a fringe uh, kind of veteran as a reviewer, but also I know you're off to the Adelaide Fringe and Dunedin and Nelson and Christchurch, and you, you, you're off yourself as a performer. But you've been seeing some shows this week. What what are your picks? Yeah, um, I have a couple. Uh, Interesting you were talking about the the bleakness of Slightly Isolated Dogs uh, Aotearoa Festival show and there is, um, it's always interesting when you get to see a whole swathe of fringe shows uh, the themes that emerge across the festival mm. and so far a theme that's been really prominent across my experience is grief um, I think mm. uh, eight of the shows I've seen so far have involved a discussion around grief in some mm. way yeah. um, and I, I, I'm not sure why that is, what it is about 2024 that's wonder, brought that out of us I wonder if there's been like, um, some kind of political thing going going on or like maybe a war or maybe well having said that though the the fringe fringe applications were due before the election so uh, (laughs) who knows i I think as well post covid everyone wanted to make a fun show so last year everyone made a fun show and then i think this year everyone's getting the dramatic show out of them but um i saw a beautiful show about grief last night which is actually playing right through to the third of march um so there's plenty of opportunity to see it. It was called 20 Minutes to Nine, um, and it's a solo touring work from Australia um, by Sticky Tape and Rust Productions. Oh, um, interesting. It was it was beautiful. It what's, was, it, what's it called? Um, it's called 20 Minutes to Nine. 20 Minutes to Nine. Uh, and it's sort of... Uh, it, it's um, Amanda is the performer's name, and that they are um, basically walking us through... Uh, period of their life where they experienced a huge amount of loss. They they lost friends. Uh, they lost their grandparents. Uh, their their parents went through divorce. Um, and it's sort of them walking th- us through all of that loss. But it's in such a warm and held and beautiful way. And um, the performer is sort of live looping soundscapes uh, that go along with it. Um, there's beautiful moments like a tribute to their grandfather who played the piano accordion. And so they play a song on the piano accordion mm. as tribute. Um, so there's it's this sort of, it's quite an audio experience as well. But um, it's at 2.50 on Willis Street just above uh, Unity Books. Yeah, so there. go to Unity Books and then press 2 at the lifts. Yeah, that's mm. right. And right. Um, it's, so it's a really intimate little space. I think 
think there literally seats about 20 um, and we're yeah. in there and it's laid down with a carpet and it's just a performance. That, that's the other lovely thing about the Fringe, eh, is, is this kind of explosion of venues. Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you put on 30 or 40 shows a day? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, by using every nook and cranny of the city, pretty much. Yeah, like um, outdoor, crazy, amazing events as well, which is so cool. Yeah, it? outdoor stuff. I put a show on at the zoo last year. Um, <laughs> you get all kinds of stuff emerges for Fringe. Um, All right, a couple yeah. more picks before we finish today, Austin. Yeah, great. Um, I it, it kind of uh, actually another show that also contained grief, but was sort of approached in a much more fun way, um, which is called Icky, um, which is by a uh, play by Vicky Moananu, um, who won the uh, Adam Playwright uh, by play by a Pacifica Playwright Award last year, um, and I can see why the text is like electric and alive. It's um, it's all sort of autobiographical stuff, but it's almost splits into sort of four different perspectives that it snaps between um, and that's on at bats at 6pm uh, till Saturday, till tomorrow um, but it's funny it's heartfelt, there's a costume that's a giant jar of tartia sauce um, there's uh, Vicky having arguments with himself I was sitting in the front row, I got cast as a marathon runner that he went on a date with once and I've, I've never felt sexier um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that's a really uh, that's that's a show that's also got quite quite a lot of uh, loss involved in it. He's got a really complex relationship with his parents and stuff, but a beautiful uh, young queer Pacifica playwright uh, performing his own work, um, and it was a um, a real joy and a, and a one to watch. I think we're going to see a lot yeah. more out of Vicky. Beautiful. Mm. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Austin. Austin Harrison there on the Fringe. And are many of these shows touring? Because there's a bit of a Fringe network now. We've got the Dunedin Fringe coming up on Best of the Fest in a few weeks, and... Um, Nelson's got a fringe coming up. Yeah, um, the the none of the shows I've seen so far are going to Nelson or Dunedin, but um, often fringe is a development space, so they might not be planning to tour right now, but in 12 months' time we'll probably see them pop up again, having gone away and done some more work. Um, so always kind of lock in the shows that sound fun, even if you can't make them this time, and they're bound to turn up again. Now, Duncan, you're a fringe veteran. Have you been managing to, to catch anything? I Hot went to a thing called Fever Dream by an Australian guy called Raul Morisipali, and uh, uh, he certainly told a story about uh, trying to get off a parking ticket by um, saying that he was on the verge of committing suicide, and that led to a whole lot of uh, um, problems. I suspect <laughs> he wasn't on the verge of committing suicide, and he was just trying it as a line, and a good that premise. led to a lot of follow-up <laughs> phone calls for him, and so... He, he's one, I think, to watch in the future. I think he's just a, he's a young guy who's just developing his craft and he'll get better and better. And, of course, I saw The Barbarian, You Are Back. Um, yeah, Joe Outdoor Festival, yeah, was that good out of here? Real fun, oh, right? Amazing. I mean, we, we went with a horde of kids and a horde of adults all together and it just we yeah. all just had... I think the the incredible thing that the barbarians always manage to do is make you think deeply and just be absolutely outrageous at the same time you know like it's mm. this wonderful thing that i just feel is always part of their productions you know like your your existential moments are a mammoth but so are, so is the incredible sort of set and creatures that you come across so it's yeah. a hoot you know there's so many moments it's just like going on a weird jamboree where you queue for each strange jamboree item and you know that they're giving you something that you're not... It's just such a fun 
ridiculous day out. I, I, you know, and I probably didn't find myself as deep in thought, um, maybe as, as what you're describing, but I really enjoyed it's it. In a dialogue, it, Duncan. <laughs> it's, the, it's a nice alternative to people lining up for Disneyland's and things like that, where it's all about get on this ride and do that. Yes, it's more a more thought provoking experience than. But those did you leave you a get... stone saying what you wanted to leave? Yeah, go I did. On? Plastic containers. I got oh, too many plastic containers. What did you put on yours? <laughs> uh, was that secret? Yeah, I think what the one that I loved was just like someone wrote my my bad attitude, which I just thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Give it away. Give it away. It's way Let deeper it than plastic. Yeah. Give it away. Well, hopefully you're all um, going to now have good attitudes for the rest of the festival. I hope you're enjoying it. Duncan Sarkis, Adahir Latham, Thomason Slay, Austin Harrison, Keeler, thank you for joining us. Uh, and thank you, dear listener, for joining us on Best of the Fest. Um, we're back next week. Uh, you can find this discussion from Friday afternoons online at rnz.co.nz forward slash culture 101 or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can hear it Sundays at 2.30 until March the 24th on RNZ National. Now, taking us out is something from a rather special fringe show that's happening on the 2nd and 3rd of March at that grand lady of modern theatre, the Hannah Playhouse. The New Blue will showcase the story and songbook of the first recording pop star in Aotearoa, Pixie Williams, best known for the song Blue Smoke. And the musicians are going to be bringing Pixie's music to life. In fact, I think you can hear Lisa Tomlins talk about this on Music 101 on RNZ National. But here's another musician involved. This is Louis Baker with Wellington's very own ballad, Windy City. Till the sun no longer rises